0: welcome to the Cash Flow guys podcast it's that time again i am tyler chef this is the Cash Flow guys podcast and this week i'm going to talk about how to bankrupt yourself quickly this is going to be a lot of fun so stay with me here what we're going on what's going on right now in the marketplace is there's a lot of folks that are in this fear of missing out they feel that they absolutely have to get a deal i got to get something quick if it's for sale it's got to be a great deal I got news for you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to start with off market before we even get involved with on market. But off market, first of all, has become a lie off market. There's no such thing as off market. If you know about it, if it's for sale, then it's not off market. Okay. It's, it's on market just because it's not on the MLS doesn't mean that it's not on the market. The the things that you hear people call them uh, pocket listings or properties advertised by wholesalers. If it's being advertised, ladies and gentlemen, it's on market. That means it's for sale. So, Quit kidding yourself that it's a deal just because some knucklehead said it's off-market. Now, off-market really means in most cases that it costs more. And there's there's hundreds of cases of this. Go through your public records. Look at your recent sales. Compare them to what sold off the multiple listing service. And, hey, more power to the wholesalers, I guess. They're actually getting more money for properties without using the MLS then realtors are getting using the MLS. This is on investment properties and flips and, and rental properties and stuff like that. That's mind blowing. So the, what, what that tells us is that obviously the, the skill sets have gotten much better. Maybe the wholesalers have actually learned how to sell. What a concept. That's pretty cool for them. It's not good for you as the investor though. So keep in mind. And the purpose of this episode is to educate you on how to protect yourself on how to do the math, how to make sure that you don't lose money when you buy a property. First of all, the thing you have to realize about off-market is, let's be honest, ladies and gentlemen, it's unregulated, right? Now, I'm not a huge fan of regulation in the first place. I think that some things are just over-regulated, the MLS being one of them, that's for sure. But uh, off-market is unregulated. It's unsupervised. Essentially, it's the wild, wild west, which means pretty much Whatever you want, whatever you want to do can happen. In the end, people always say, is it legal? Well, it's legal until a judge says it's not. Just because you come up with a new way to to uh, to uh, paint your widget doesn't mean that it's illegal to do so. However, the problem without having a set of rules, without anybody being licensed, and this I'm not an advocate for one or the other, I'm just basically stating a point. Now, granted, I have a license, but the reason why I have a license is because I don't have to hide the bushes. I don't have to worry about anything because I'm fully out in the open. I I live in a glass house. I don't have to worry about it. Everybody can see what we're doing. Nothing's hidden. I got nothing to hide. That said, uh, when you deal with an unregulated or or a society that has no law, has no guidelines, that can get a little scary, especially for buyers. And I have people call me on a regular basis after the fact, as always. They don't call me beforehand and say, hey, Tyler, what do you think? (laughs) They call me after they've already closed on the, on the deal and they've realized they've lost a whole bunch of money. So in a case like this, if you're one thing I will say for realtors is if you're dealing with a realtor, at least you got someone to go after. And I know you can sue an unlicensed person and whatnot, but at the end of the day, I think the, the agent has a, uh, an investment in the process. So if you're going to deal with a third party, I'm really not a big deal, a big fan of dealing with third parties in the first place. For me, it's about being direct to seller. And that's a lot of what this episode has to do with. It's like guys and girls, deal direct with the actual seller, not the person that has equitable interest, quote unquote. But avoid the realtor, avoid the gatekeeper, avoid the wholesaler. That was last week's episode. We talked about that. Get direct. I'm not going to beat a dead horse on that. But at the end of the day, you've got to be direct to the seller if you want to be able to negotiate creative acquisitions. I know there's, example, there's uh, exceptions to every case, and I'm sure there are wholesalers out there and realtors. That can negotiate terms i know this because frankly i bought a property from a recent realtor recently and i was able to negotiate terms uh, with because the agent was real good let's be honest though we both know that that's not the norm right most wholesalers most real estate agents most gatekeepers are only interested in one thing and that's their paycheck so let me just kind of restate that from last week but here's the some of the common mindset flaws that i hear people telling me and i hear people say that i see people say this and post this on facebook and whatnot and it kind of Makes me wonder, it's like, wow, what, what got them to think that way? I, I didn't, couldn't realize that humans would be so weak. But it comes down to the seller let me finance it. Okay, that's some, one of the most common ones. Well, the seller let me finance it, so it had to be a great deal. And I realized that, that even Larry Harbold and uh, myself and Pete Fortunato and all the people that, that teach real estate education tell you that, hey, if you could get it on terms, then you could probably pay a little bit more for it if you can get the terms you want but that doesn't mean that you can overpay for it. There's a fine line there. And that means that whatever you wind up paying for it, the debt service or the terms that you negotiate, even if the seller's offering financing, the terms have to make sense. It has to be able to cash flow. You have to have a profit if you're a buy and hold investor. And if you're a flipper, the cost of funds, if you're just flipping the property, the cost of that money needs to be reasonable to the point that you can still make a profit. What you don't want to do is to over leverage or over borrow or borrow on terms that will get you in hot water. And i and because here's the thing, folks, nobody has ever sit there and, and been successful telling me I'm going to flip this in 30 days. I had somebody recently say we can get this flip done in four months. Folks we're a year, they're a year into it. Now I'm going to help them dig out of this mess. That's why I say we, I'm certainly not going to get involved in a flip, but I am helping them sell the property at the end of the day they're going to wind up having to sell it at a loss because the cost of their funds they got a hard money loan they kind of overshot on the on the rehab they didn't really understand what the market sales were doing they didn't think about the selling side of it right of actually getting it sold they just believe the wholesaler well the reality is the wholesaler made a thirty thousand dollar fee, commission split whatever you want to say i mean you know more power to them i guess whatever but at the end of the day, the wholesaler made their money, $30,000, and the seller is probably going to lose thirty dollars to $50,000 on this deal. That's unfortunate. Uh, they may even wind up in some sort of bankruptcy or foreclosure over these deals. And this is just one of many, folks. I've got all kinds of these things coming out of the woodwork lately where people have overbought, overpaid, getting in. Th- just forget about the seller financing thing. Let's just talk about the seller. Let me buy it. How about that? How about, well, they accepted my offer. Or my favorite one, hey, I won the multiple offers round. There was multiple offers and he picked me because I wrote a letter. No, he picked you because you were willing to pay more than everybody else. Which means if you're willing to pay more than everybody else, wholesalers, listen up. If you're out there bidding without an actual bona fide buyer that you can name for that property, you're guessing, guys. You're swinging and missing. And I understand that, well, I know that's how whoever, Sean Terry, whatever your famous wholesaler is, pick one, says to do think about it. If if you're out there making offers to buy property and you have no intention on actually buying the property, what kind of message are you sending? First of all, in my, in my mind, that sounds somewhat fraudulent. However, if you have a buyer in mind and you're negotiating on their behalf, maybe that's a different story. I don't know. I'm not an attorney. Laws are different in every state. doesn't really matter. What matters is your mindset when you're going in So if you are there as the buyer, let's say you're a flipper or a buy and hold investor and you should know where you need to be both on the buy and on the sell because, ladies and gentlemen, let's be honest, you make your money when you buy, right? You hear that time and time again. So don't get yourself in a situation to where you overpay, you end up bankrupting yourself. The reason why, explain to me how people have bought a whole bunch of houses at the top of the market when it crashed last time as buy and hold properties and then, quote unquote, lost them all. How does that happen? Well, that happens because, they either bought them because they thought they were a ridiculous deal or they over leveraged them or they didn't buy them right in the first place. And especially if you're in the single family market, what happened is there was a mass exodus of people living in single family needed cheaper places to live. So a lot of those folks moved out of those single family rental properties into duplexes and, and larger apartment buildings where the rent is generally a little bit less money. Let's be honest. If you're having a hard time paying your 750 a month rent and you see a place at 675 or down the street, it starts looking pretty attractive. If you got half a brain, people will move, right? That's the reality of it. People will move. So don't get caught up in this, I have to buy something now or I got to move quickly or I got to use non-refundable deposits. Boys and girls, that's just not how you do real estate the right way. If you feel rushed, if you feel compelled to make a decision, I don't even care if you're wholesaling a deal. If you're getting pushed by a seller to pull the trigger, you should ask yourself, the first question you'd ask yourself is, why am I being pushed? What is the urgency in this deal? Why am I being rushed? Because you may have not uncovered all of the situation yet. Maybe you haven't learned all of the problem. And boys and girls, if you're not out there solving a problem with your offer, you're wasting your time. I can tell you right now, if the seller does not have a problem, I mean a bona fide problem, which means if you're not seller direct, you don't know if they have a problem or not because you can't count on the accuracy of the information you're getting. But So if your offer is not solving a problem for the seller, a specific problem, that you know, chances are you're probably overpaying. I'm going to give you three examples of properties in my market that I saw just recently that have sold in the last, let's call it the last year, okay? The first one is a duplex that sold, get this, $549,000. This is a two-unit property, 549900 and forty-nine nine. okay? You can actually look this up. It's in public records. I found that on Zillow. 1022 Commodore Street in Clearwater. Go look it up. 1022 Commodore Street in Clearwater Duplex sold for $549,900. They seller financed it for 15 years at 5% interest. Okay. The income that was reported uh, shows $2,720 a month. So $2,720 a month. You figure, I figure, just for quick math, half of that would be expenses, right? And I know that it's 40, 45%, whatever it may be. But just for easy math, let's take half of that. So $13,60 out for expenses that leaves us with a balance right we got some money left over there we got the other half of 1360 now let's factor the debt service let's do the payments seller finance 15 years at five percent interest comes up to three thousand forty four dollars in debt service boys and girls the debt service is more than the rent okay that i'm gonna say it again so we're clear the debt service on this deal is more than the rent that doesn't make any logical sense well, you're, after you buy it, you can raise the rents to ten grand a month. Well, why haven't you done that is the next question I would ask, right? So in this example, the property's losing $1,684 a month. That is a loss. That means the owner, the new owner is writing a check for $1,684 $1, a month. Can you imagine buying a rental property for income and then having to write a check to it? Now, I realize that there are circumstances where maybe this would make sense. Maybe the market's on an upswing, right? Which we know it's not, but let's say it is. And maybe they're speculating. Maybe they're buying the property at five forty dollars and then they're going to sell it at $600,000 maybe. I don't know. I'm sure there's, there's several different ways that different reasons why people might buy this, but looking at this at a glance, buying two units where your cost of acquisition is $225,000, $225,000 is your cost. In that though Both units together are only bringing in $2,720. To me, that's lunacy. I, I, I can't believe that. I mean, why would anybody do that? That means that they're renting for around 1360 a month each side. You're losing $1,600. I mean, that's crazy. So let's go on to the next one. 900 San Christopher. Found this one on Zillow in the public records. Fourplex. Sold for two hundred and seventy-four thousand in twenty fifteen. Not bad, right? That'll that'll cash flow two seventy four. Usually it'll cash flow if the income is halfway decent. But it just sold again this year for four hundred and sixty thousand. Thumbs up for the seller on that one. So he he bought it for two seventy four. Turned around sold it for four sixty. From what I can tell, he didn't really do any work to it or very little work anyway. Um, he paid cash. The new new buyer paid cash, so no takebacks, right? Paid cash in 2018. That just excites me. Somebody parted with $460,000 in cash. The income on this is reported at $3,326. Let's take out the expenses at 166812 That means basically, <clears throat> if you apply debt service to this, let's say that he went and financed it and put uh, 30% down, did a conventional loan at, at um, so a 70 to 30 loan to value ratio, I'd say 5% that would come up with a debt service payment of around $1,725, $28, something like that. So if you had debt service on this, okay, which means if he used a home equity line or he borrowed the cash that he used to buy this in any way, his, his he would be losing $70 a month seven zero, seven dollars, 7-0, $70 a month loss if he borrowed that money in any way. If the new owner actually, I don't know, went out back and sold lemonade and, until he, got enough for cash to come up with $460,000 and plunked it into that asset, his RO, gross for ROI would be around 4%, right, give or take. <laughs> that's, just in the, that's just very high line. That doesn't include a lot of the stuff. So there's either no return or a very small return. And the minute you apply something like a, an air conditioner that, that takes a dive on a Saturday afternoon to that equation, this deal's in the red. It's absolutely right. If it needs a roof, this deal's in the red. Losing money, losing money, losing money. Let's go back to this. And this is my favorite example because I used to actually live here years ago. And this is going back to 1999, 2000. I lived in this address. It's 56B Street in Madeira Beach, Florida, 56B Street. That is a little four-unit building built in the 50s. Uh, They're all one-bedroom units with window shakers. I remember at the time I was paying, I think, $325 a month in rent. It was right after I got divorced from my first wife. Great little place. The only problem is when it rained, it flooded. And I remember the roof, the ceiling fell in once on me. The whole bedroom ceiling collapsed. <laughs> Interesting place. But at the end of the day, it was it was located on the, in the beach type community, not on the beach. But uh, it rented for 325 at the time. Now, fast forward to today, those one bedrooms are renting for they're claiming $3,000 in income. So I went back and looked and found some for rent ads. And that, that, That lines up. So about $3,000 a month in gross income is what they're bringing in. Let's figure 1500 for expenses. But honestly, ladies and gentlemen, I did not include flood insurance in those expenses. Now, property is in the flood zone. It is located in the Gulf Beaches area. So I'm here to tell you, if it rains a lot, it will flood. If a storm comes by, a tropical storm, anything like that, it will flood. Uh, If a good friend of ours lived across the street, his house had 8 feet of water or 6 feet of water in it during several storms. He flooded several times when I was selling the house. So flood insurance is gonna cost a fortune. How much it is it gonna cost? It varies depending on building, but it could be $1,000, $2,000 a month just for flood insurance because of the location of this particular property. So going back to that, putting that aside, let's say there is no flood insurance, which you can't ha- not have flood insurance in a flood zone because he went and bought it with a mortgage. He went to the bank and got a mortgage. So $3,000 income, $1,500 expenses. Remember, this is not including the flood insurance. The debt service, based on the loan terms that I found in the public records on this, the debt service, his mortgage payment is $2,188. $2,188 in debt service, which means without factoring in the flood insurance, this dude is bleeding $688 a month. They're losing $688 a month. That's unbelievable. That's a classic case of somebody did not do all the math. Now, I'm all for speculating. That's fine and dandy if that's what floats your boat. But at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, this property is a foreclosure waiting to happen. All of these with with debt on them are a foreclosure waiting to happen. Recently, you heard me tell you, I think I told you in one of our previous episodes about my property here in Tarpon Springs. We had it appraised recently. It came in, the appraisal came in at, uh, it was it was like on the income method. It was like six hundred and twenty-seven thousand dollars. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there is no way in hell this property would cash flow with a with a debt service based on six hundred thousand dollars. It's just not possible. Which means I would be bleeding money now. That would be a foreclosure waiting to happen. I'm here to tell you because if anything went wrong, if you were if you were running upside down, this is how mortgages go into default. People are overextended. The properties, not making a profit. You see, I'd be okay with walking away as most Americans would. If I had to choose what to walk away from, I would walk away from a property where I was taking a loss versus as compared to when I'm not taking a loss. This is part of the thing. This is one of the many factors that caused the last housing crash and made it go to the extreme it did. So how do you solve this problem? Well, you solve the problem by being direct to the seller. I'm going to say it again, being direct like I did last week. Getting direct to the seller, going in there, rolling up your sleeves, having a conversation. But here's the most important thing: you know, you got to understand. I know to some degree you're out there busting your hump, you're trying to do your thing, you want to make some money. I don't care whether you're trying to flip houses and make some money, or you're doing subject twos and they're going to flip the contract or whatever you're going to do. Doesn't really matter. But when you when you make a bad deal, you're not impressing anybody, right? You look like a knucklehead. First of all, you got to do all the math. That means you guys are out there flipping properties if you're wholesaling or whatever. If you're quoting ARV numbers, you kind of, I believe you have a responsibility to, you know, first of all, I think it's dumb to quote ARV numbers, frankly, because it's not really up to you to tell me what it'll sell for. Cause you you're wrong. I could, I very well could come back and sue you because I could sue anybody for anything, right? Like I just had the money for an attorney. So you're kind of opening yourself up to liability. That's my, my humble opinion. So frankly, I wouldn't quote after repair value. I wouldn't get involved in quoting repairs. You know why? Because I'm not a contractor. I'd say, here's the property. I'm getting ready to, to list one right now over in Clearwater. Uh, this week, I got another one coming up in St. Pete. These are properties that have not been finished yet. They started the rehab and, and haven't finished them yet. I'm not going to get into quoting ARV. The seller is giving me a price they want for it. I'm going to find a buyer and that's, that's all we do, right? I'm an agent. I can do that. I don't have to do it the other way where I have to buy her first. At the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, is I'm not an appraiser. It's not my job to go out there and dictate what the next person, what their value is, because we nobody can really say that per, for sure. Even an appraisal is an art. It's not a science. So those of you that are wholesaling, avoid ARV. Let the buyer make up their own mind on ARV. And I know that's what some wholesaling houses, full-time Facebook group told you to do. But I'm here to tell you, it's a waste of time because here's the thing. Never in history will anybody. Never in the future will anybody ever agree with you in your ARV. Whatever you come up with on ARV, they're going to tell you you're crazy. I, I won't even. I won't say that because I don't even respond to the wholesalers half the time. But understand that nobody's ever going to agree with you on your on your after repair value anyway. So why even get into trying to to, to break it out in the first place? Realtors, who cares what the projected future whatever is. Instead, focus on the features and benefits of it, what it is now, and don't get into the point of trying to predict the future. Oh, this will be a great investment when you raise the rent to $5,000 a month. And I know it's only renting for $500 a month now, but it'll bring $5,000 a month. Well, understand that if it doesn't get there, don't you think you're opening yourself up to some liability? Ladies and gentlemen, at the end of the day, you got to do all the math, okay? Actual rent minus actual expenses minus the debt service equals the cash flow. Let's say that again. Actual rent minus actual expenses minus the debt service equals cash flow. Now, a lot of you say, well, I don't have debt service. I'm paying cash. Well, unless that money, that cash fell like manna from the heavens, it came from somewhere, which means it has a cost attributed to it. It could be you took a home equity line. Well, home equity line comes with costs. You have to factor that in when you, so that's debt service still counts. Let's say you're doing a joint venture with somebody. Still has a cost of money because you have to share the expense or share the uh, share things with somebody else. So you got to do all the math. You can't just do the math that looks good. If you're out there flipping properties and using hard money, you got to factor in the cost of hard money. You got to factor in your holding costs. Wholesalers, same thing. I mean, for you, it really doesn't matter as much because you shouldn't be quoting this stuff anyway. But if you're actually going to keep one of these buggers and flip it do something like that you've got to allow for all the holding costs if you think it'll take six months go ahead and plan on taking it a 12 months to 18 months you should be able to afford to maintain the holding costs during that time because i guarantee you it will take longer than what you think what you think it will i guarantee you it will take longer never in history has a flip been done ahead of schedule it doesn't exist i don't believe that's possible someone proved me wrong so make sure you do all the math you can't fudge the expenses or the income. You can only adjust the purchase price or the terms. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to wrap it right there let you have a great week. Hope you get out, get out there and take things to the next level. As always, we have opened the doors for the Mailbox Money Group Coaching System. The Mailbox Money System is available now. You can head over to MailboxMoneyMastermind.com. MailboxMoneyMastermind.com. Get over there. Get out, Make an appointment. Get on the phone with me. See if it's a good fit for you. And we will go from there. You can get in for a ridiculously low price. Monthly payments are available. It's time to take action. Spend a little bit of money now learning how to not waste money later. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great week. And I'll talk to you next time. This concludes today's episode. episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.